In the morning, my brothers and sisters in Christ, welcome to St. Mark and Bemidji's podcast, a program that invites you to take a look at God's Word in a practical way in your life. Because the Word is written not just for anyone, it's written for you, so that you may believe, and that by believing, you may inherit eternal life. Thanks for joining us today. Many people think that God's mission needs a gimmick. Maybe it's a program geared for children, or couples, or young adults. Maybe it's a program that teaches you to be a good steward with your money, with a Christian twist on it. The truth is, the world, including the community that you live in, only has one thing needful, and that is Jesus and what he did for us, and his word given to us in the Bible. It's not to say that there aren't good things about those kinds of programs that I mentioned, but God's word stands on its own merit. It's beautiful and perfect in its form and its function all by itself. And guess what? It's for you. Yes, you, behind the fourth wall over there. So if you're here today, that's what you're going to hear. God's Word and a meditation on it. If you enjoy it, you might also enjoy our other programs, which you will automatically get if you subscribe to the podcast. Additionally, you might consider sharing it with a friend or an enemy. Each and every podcast has a share link in its description, which can be found in this same podcast app that you're listening to right now. I've tried to make the link really obvious. Let me know if it isn't at john.kirk at stmarksbemidji.org. Share God's word, because God wants us all to come to be with him forever. Today's meditation is titled, From Court to Kareth, and is based upon a reading from 1 Kings. Let's join Pastor Aller for today's devotion. We read a section from 1 Kings 17. If you read. The word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So far the word. Ahab son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than all of those who were before him. The king was bad. One might say the worst in the history of Israel. But it wasn't just the king. You see, the king inspired the people, people like a subject like Heel. We only hear about this guy once, Heel. He rebuilt Jericho, even though God had forbidden that. Apparently, God wanted the ruins of Jericho to remain as a visible servant for the rest of all time, what God had done for his people. But no, Heel rebuilt it, and just as God had prophesied through Joshua, Heel lost his oldest son and his youngest son because he rebuilt that city. But again, it wasn't the subjects only. It was the king inspiring them. And what did the king bring to the table? Well, a marriage. You've heard of this woman, Jezebel. Even in English today, you can call somebody a Jezebel, and they know exactly what you're talking about. Jezebel was the daughter of King Ethbaal of the Sidonians. And I have to get nerdy here for a moment with history. Excuse me for this. But 
She was said to be the grand aunt of Dido, the woman who founded Carthage. Carthage, and that might ring about some of you, they were the thorn in the side of ancient Rome. If you think of Hannibal and the Carthaginians, that's a relationship there. But I'll take my nerd history cap off and get back to the sermon. Good job, Pastor. Yep. But this religion, that's the thing that Jezebel brought with her. And how can I, how can I possibly put this tactfully? I don't know if I can. This is the best way I can put it. She brought Baal and Asherah, from which probably comes our modern-day word Easter, kind of a fun little trivia point. It was a fertility, a fertility cult. That's what she brought. And Ahab ate this stuff up. You could just see his wife talking to him and saying, Honey, you love your subjects, right? Don't you want your nation to be blessed by all the gods? The whole diverse rainbow of gods, all of them blessing Israel. And Ahab going, sounds great. And so that's what they did. And what happened? Well, once you give yourself over to such things, anything goes. Once you give up on the true God and his word, literally anything goes in a given culture. And God stepped in. And he provided Elijah. He was not just going to allow thousands of people to go to hell for all time. No, he stepped in and he provides Elijah. And today we're going to see in this arc of Elijah's life, we're going to see him go from the court to Kareth, from the court of the king to the Kareth ravine. And we're going to see first off, there is a time to confront. Confrontation. Not a fun thing, but it is a very obvious lesson. We see it immediately in this. Here we have Elijah. And did you hear? The lesson says, very helpfully, Elijah's Tishbite from Tishbat. Everybody knows, right, where Tishbat is, right? No, not really. The only reason your pastor knows is because of this. This is the only time this town is mentioned in connection with Elijah. So let me put that in modern day terms. Elijah from flyover country. Elijah from nowhere. Strolls into the court of King Ahab and says, something like this, as surely as the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, you will have neither dew nor rain for years. Except that might. And somehow, by the protection of God, that prophet walks right back out of the king's court without being lynched. And maybe he was thinking to himself, this is it, Lord, that was awesome. Maybe now the nation of Israel will finally start to make a turn for the better. Maybe this is the corner, and we're going to finally change. And then he starts to review in his mind what he had just told the king, the truth that he had just laid down, and he goes, I... I just told the king that there will be no dew nor rain except at my I just drew a big target on my back. And then surely the word of God came to Elijah and he says what his plans were. 
for his profit. Kind of surprising plans, including because of how desperate the king was. You see, the king had this new fancy shiny god and goddess, and their main thing, they had one job, one job, and they couldn't get it done, and that was to bring rain from the heavens. And so you can just imagine Ahab now, we are told that he was so desperate to find Elijah that he sent emissaries to other nations, and if those kings said they had not seen Elijah, he would make them swear to their gods that they had not seen him. And we are also told that the king was so desperate that they were searching personally. The king himself was foraging for grass to feed his animals. And so you can imagine this king wanting to find Elijah and, I don't know, just squeeze the rain out of him. Maybe we can make the distinction that, of course, it's God's word that would bring the rain. I don't know if King Ahab was capable of making that distinction. So here he was looking for Elijah. The rain was not coming. In those days, there's no HelloFresh. Sorry. There is no Uber Eats. If your region is not getting rain, you're not eating. And did they find Elijah? No. Not a sign. But would it shock us to say this is the Lord showing love to King Ahab one more time? Saying, I'm not just the Lord of rain. I'm not just the Lord of you or your wife Jezebel, King Ahab. I'm the God of the heavens that brings the rain, the God of the earth from which the food grows that you so desperately need. And I don't just hand out arbitrary laws just because I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. You are leading your people away from eternal life. Whether King Ahab got that message or not was, un was not the point. It was one more time for him to hear the word of the true God. So I'm going to ask you now a personal question. Answer it in your head. Do you ever confront, do you always confront a lie, and I'm going to be specific, that has to do with the word of God. Do you always confront lies? Well, I'm going to tell you, God doesn't. Now, that might sound a little weird to us, but Deuteronomy 17, that is a chapter that many kings forgot. God did not come down before every coronation of a king of Israel and say, Oh, by the way, Deuteronomy 17, um, the king shall not have any wives, or his heart will be led astray. That's what that verse, the chapter says, Deuteronomy 17, 17. Easy to remember. But he didn't do that. God simply put and wrote down his word, and he let it stand. And Jesus, during his ministry even, he chose to be one man with one mouth. When he's speaking to a crowd, he couldn't correct every single lie in the crowd. Couldn't do it. Even if he wanted to. Do we always confront lies? No. But do we never confront lies? Because if we do that, the devil and his team will be more than happy. You Christians, it's okay. You Christians, it's Sit in an easy chair, have a six-pack, relax, watch TV. My team will get to work. But you guys, shh, don't confront. That's, that's so cold. That's hate speech. 
Don't confront, just relax, and we'll do our work. That's the deal that the devil wants. So may we never have a situation like this that we never confront when it comes to the truths of Jesus. May we pick our battles and be wise. Sometimes you don't speak, sometimes you do, but let us speak. And do that gently, but firmly. And may God give the people to whom we speak a heart that listens and doesn't say, oh, you're from Tishbeth, you're from flyover country, why would I ever listen to you? And if those tables are turned and somebody's confronting us, may we never say, you're, you're not even Lutheran? But wait, you're not even a Christian? And I don't care the fact that you just said something that totally agrees with Jesus Christ. You're a non-believer. You don't believe. So why would I ever listen to you? If the tables are turned, may we also listen. And know this. It's for joy that we confront or somebody confronts us with the truths of Jesus Christ. It is for joy that God sets us on that mission. The joy of knowing that even now, in this life, I can actually, not perfectly, but I can actually change my life. You know how good that feels when you finally say, not perfectly, but I put a habit to bed. I might struggle with it the rest of my life, but I'm fighting it now. You know how that feels when you're actually being successful? It's for joy that we confront each other. Do not lose sight of that, that that is the goal. And don't lose sight of that joy when God gives us missions like he gave to Elijah, where he says, and if Elijah was feeling ecstatic when he walked from the king, king's court, and saying, yeah, maybe now we're going to have an awakening. But then God gave him the rest of his plan. And Elijah can say, what is that plan, Lord? Well, now I want you to go, and I want you to head east. Yeah, continue, Lord, keep going, and I want you to hide. Hide. That's your plan. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to provide ravens to keep you alive. It's okay. I'll go. Can you imagine the reaction? Think of this from Elijah's perspective. That very first day where the very first raven comes with the very first piece of bread, and you're like, okay, that's, that's not so bad, and, and you grab it. Can you imagine, though, that first piece of stringy meat hanging from the beak of a raven, and you're like, okay. This is okay. I'm going to ignore the fact that you're an unclean animal, as God defines, you're a raven, and I'm just going to eat it. Could he even start a fire during the daytime? I doubt it. It would give away his position. Now, I'm not trying to take away credit from God. God knows a good cut of meat when he sees it, and he took care of his prophet. But here you have it. And imagine from Elijah's perspective where God says, I'm going to direct ravens, not angels. So we can chill out for a while in the wilderness and talk about the great truths of God's word, not even the wings of eagles. Ravens. And there must have been days in what happened and turned out to be three and a half years. Three and a half. Where he's out there. And if there's people who like fishing, he might say, this is awesome, this is like a sabbatical, he's connecting with God and nature. But when it comes to be three and a half years of connecting with God in nature, 
And there's a reason that God is putting him in a ravine, because nobody else goes through that ravine. Nobody else wants to. When Elijah would look up at the night sky and say, Here I am, Lord, again. And you know, I know you're hearing me, even right now, but there's some times where I just feel you're not there at all. And I remember, Lord, how you protected me in King Ahab's court. He didn't kill me. Why can't you protect me now, apart from some ravine, some glorified ditch? Can't you keep me safe while I'm rubbing shoulders with my fellow Israelites? Jesus, the same God who finally was speaking with Elijah, Jesus never asks his people to do things he doesn't and didn't already do. Of course, he does things beyond us, too. But for example, Jesus, the one guy hiding in plain sight, but having to hide in Egypt. Several years as a boy, he had to learn Egyptian. And then when he went back to Israel, he came from flyover country, Nazareth. Does anything good come out of Nazareth, right? But you might say, his ministry, his miracles, such obvious signs of power. Put it in perspective. The one true God who can will an entire universe into existence. Healing a few thousand people of their physical maladies, bringing a few people back from the dead, kicking out some demons. God was hiding in plain sight. And he was asking nothing of Elijah that he himself was not willing to do. But God, unseen, brings his people from those dark days, from the darkness, from the ravines, back into the light. Why else would he say things like in Mark chapter 11 where he says, Truly I tell you, if you say to this mountain, be thrown into the sea, and you do not doubt it, but believe that it will happen, it will be done. Why would he say those things unless he wants Elijah and us to ask for the impossible things? Impossible. Like a return to the truth for the people of Israel. That kind of impossible. God brings his people from darkness to light. Elijah didn't know precisely what was ha going to happen in his future. You do. Because you have the rest of scripture. But you don't know precisely what's going to happen in your future. But, you know, maybe you do. And I give a summary of it, right at the end of our lesson, where God says, I will direct the ravens to bring you bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and you will drink from the brook. Just ravens? Just, just wafers of bread and wine? Really? That's it, Lord? Just, just a parent? Or a pastor? Or a... A human being who happily takes in the Word of God, saying, you know, I don't think that's benefiting you. You know, I don't know if that's right. I think that's a sin. You know, and honey, I don't want to go to heaven without you. I'd really rather go with you. Just people, just wafers and wine, and just blackbirds, ravens, but all fed by God himself.
through the famine, whether it's a famine of food or famine that has to do with the soul, where people, a person might need confronting someone else or maybe us, God gets us through the famine. Yeah, once people reject God's word, anything, literally anything, can go in a culture. That will always be the case, and we shouldn't be surprised by it. It's going to be the way. But once the Lord decides to save his people, he will do anything, anything righteous, to get it done. Even sacrifice his own boy? His son? Yeah. This is the God we have. So Elijah, a nobody from Tishbe, flyover country, ends up being one of two people right next to Jesus on the mountain of transfiguration. That is what the grace of God did for this nobody from Tishbe. This is what God does for his people. And more importantly, Elijah, even now, is perfectly united with his God. Perfectly happy, I might also add. This is what God does. God, Jesus, allows those days, those dark days of temptation. And Jesus, God, also brings us back into those days of relief. You know, the day where finally God puts to rest that doubt that was in your head. Finally, that time when somebody close to you begins to return and come back to Jesus Christ. The day where, dare I say this, we might have a reawakening of Western nations, a return to Jesus Christ. God provides days of relief, and it's okay to thank him for that too. Oh, and one more thing. That day is also coming. When there will be no more confrontation, no more hiding, just perfect deliverance. Amen. We hope that today's meditation on God's Word has enriched you. Divine services are held right here in Bemidji, Minnesota at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Sunday school and adult Bible study is also offered between our Sunday services at 9.15 a.m. Our church services are live-streamed at 8 a.m. on Sunday mornings and are available afterwards on our channel, St. Mark Lutheran Church Bemidji. If you're listening or watching this podcast, you are cordially invited to join us in person next week and every week. This is our fourth year producing this podcast, and there is a large archive of devotional material online available if you want to learn more about God and His Word. Visit www.stmarkbemidji.org or look in the show notes in this podcast for a link to this and many other meditations on God. You can also search for St. Mark Bemidji on YouTube to find our channel. If you have any questions or you would like more information about our church and its ministry, please visit our website, which is once again www.stmarkbemidji.org. All scripture readings are taken from the Holy Bible, New International Version, copyright 2011, and are used by permission from Zondervan. Meditation's daily devotional is published by Northwestern Publishing House and is also used by permission. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing and telling a friend. May God bless the rest of your day. 
Hey there, parents. Are you on the lookout for a fantastic school in the Bemidji area that embraces Christian values? Well, look no further. Introducing St. Mark's Christian Day School, where education meets faith in an extraordinary way. At St. Mark's, we get it. We understand that your child's education should be rooted in God, compassion, and unwavering faith. Our experienced team of dedicated educators are here to provide a top-notch education to students in grades K-8 through that nourishes the mind, heart, and soul. With small class sizes and a personalized approach, we create a safe and dynamic environment where your child can explore the God-given talents and excel academically. Our teachers integrate biblical principles throughout the day, ensuring your child grows into a compassionate and morally grounded individual. Our students are also able to participate in extracurricular activities with the Bemidji School District. For more information about St. Mark's Day School, call John at 218-444-3939 or at principal at stmarksbemidji.org.